Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Seton, what if I told you there's a bacon, then there's number one thick cut, tastes like a touchdown in your mouth bacon? You must be talking about Wright brand bacon because mm-hmm. they are not playing when it comes to the premium quality of their bacon. It's thick cut, hand trimmed, and real wood smoke. Real. And you can tell. So why settle for average bacon when you can have the real stuff? That's right. And if you're looking to upgrade any meal, any meal, try Wright brand bacon. That's called Wright brand bacon. You won't regret it. Experience bacon the right way. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my sports in one app, like the National Women's Soccer League, included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Albert Breer, one of my favorite NFL insiders, NFL reporter, lead content strategist for the Monday Morning Quarterback. And I know that Albert lives vicariously through us. The Traeger Grills are fired up, Albert. The grilled Chicago Dogs. Chili cheese dogs today, bacon-wrapped hot dogs, and tater tots. That's how we do it here on the Dan Patrick Show. Yeah, not bad. I like I, I feel like I almost insulted Perloff when I texted him, and I guessed that they were sloppy joes. Uh, you guys are way, way beyond that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You should come in on a Friday, a meet Friday. Come on down. Yeah, you guys aren't too far, so maybe I'll make the trip. Yeah, that'd be nice. All right. We've been talking about this Tom Brady situation. That mm-hmm. The report is that he played on a uh, fully torn MCL the entire season. What what are gamblers so what information should they be getting here? Like would is the NFL going to go after Tampa Bay with this information that's just come out? It's a fair question because I think we've always known the injury reports have related to gambling, right? Like I, I don't think that's been a big secret, although the NFL could never actually say that over the last 30, 40 years, however long it's been since they've done that. Uh, But I do think that now that it's out in the open a little bit more and like the league is more free to speak about this stuff and because they're going to be doing partnerships with casinos, um, I think I I, I might be mistaken about this. I think a couple teams already have those like the Caesars partnerships and everything else. Um, You know, maybe they're going to get a little more serious about it because in the past, I think they've worked with teams on these things and tried to make sure that at least competitively, it was equitable um, from team to team. But now that you're actually, you know, out in the open doing partnerships with gambling companies, and maybe there will be a little bit of a shift. Um, it'll be interesting to see because I do know, and I can tell you this, you know, flat out, Dan, like Brady doesn't like his injuries being on that report. Like he would do when he was in New England, do whatever it took to make sure that those injuries wouldn't be on the report. And 
Um, you know, played with ligament damage in his hand in 2013, played with a separated shoulder in 2011. He's played through a lot of stuff. And I know it was always a priority of his to keep that stuff off the injury report and not even like as a team competitive thing, but just to prevent players from going after parts of his body that were banged up. And I understand that, but is Brady keeping that from the Patriots or the Patriots keeping that from the world? And that's what's so interesting about it too, Dan, is like you look at it and like Brady's almost got his own ecosystem. So like, (laughs) you know, where most teams, like with most players, it's like the team's trainers, the team's doctors are going to know everything. Brady's sort of got his own like setup, you know, with Alex Guerrero and all the different people that he works with. So he's one of the few players where it's plausible that like maybe they did hide it from the team and maybe, and look, like I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but if you're Brady and your priority is to keep it off the injury report, maybe it makes sense for you to say, Alex and I are going to keep this to ourselves and we're not going to get the bucks in trouble. We're just going to keep it from them. Um, I think it's, he's one of the few players where it's actually plausible that maybe the trainers and the doctors had a little less knowledge of the injury than you might think. I I just had a a tweet from uh, one of our listeners, John in Georgia, Exactly. Why do betters have a right to know? Seriously, where does this right come from? Professional sports somehow has an obligation to mitigate a better's risk? Question mark. Really? Why? How is that? <laughs> uh, I'm like it goes back like to like when I was a kid. So I don't know if I can even properly answer that, Dan. You might have better insight on on it than me. I. I would say... Well, they don't want insider trading. You don't want to have somebody tell somebody, and it could really... Let's say you don't know Patrick Mahomes is going to play. Right. And you decide to jump on, you know, the uh, Chargers playing Kansas City because Mahomes, you know, is not going to play. That's what they're trying to avoid. Or he's going to play, but he's got an injured toe, and he's really limited. They don't want the money to move based on, you know, somebody like me deciding, okay, I've got the injury information and yes. now I'm going to commodify it. Right. Yes. Like, and I'm going to turn it into something that I can sell. Yes. That makes sense. Like yeah. that part makes sense where they wouldn't want that. Explain to me what's going on with Deshaun Watson from the league's perspective. Can they put him on the commissioner's exempt list? They can do what they want. Um, I, I can tell you this and you know, they went through this a couple of years ago with Tyree kill. Um, and I, I remember the question at the time was why weren't they putting him on the commissioner's exempt list over the course of the spring. And I think if I remember right, the chiefs actually came to an agreement with Tyreek to stay away from their spring workouts because they just wanted to let the legal situation play out. Um, you know, I, the, the league stance on these things is they won't do it until they have to. And What's interesting is because the fine system has changed and because you can't forgive training camp fines anymore, uh, that juncture in the calendar might come sooner now. It might be the start of training camp for them. And so I think what everybody's waiting for is the legal situation to play out. And I think based on the way some of these things have gone over the last few years, really over the last 10 years, I don't know what the league wants to come down with any sort of ruling without there being legal clarity on how all this is going to play out. And so I think my sense is the league would probably try to kick the can down the road um, as long as the legal situation is still playing out. And the way they kick the can down the road, Dan, is that exempt list, right? Like they put the player on paid leave and they basically push pause in the whole thing. And they've been able to push pause in the whole thing because Deshaun didn't show up in the spring, 
right? So it wasn't an issue. But now with the training camp reporting date being whatever it is, a week and a half, two weeks away, they, uh, you know, I, you would think that they would be, they, they would have to make a decision on whether or not to put them on the exempt list, unless, you know, Watson's lawyers um, can find a way to reach a settlement uh, between now and J- July 27th. But then the league is probably going to discipline Deshaun Watson, I'm guessing, yes. right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I mean, I've been asked a lot, like, will he play in 2021? Um, I think there's a possibility and there's a good chance he plays in 2021. I do not think he'll be playing for any team in, uh, in week one. Um, so I think that this, and, and this is regardless of what happens in court um, because, you know, I think it's gotten to the point where the commissioner can say, you put yourself in a bad spot and in turn that put the league in a bad spot. And so you, you brought, you brought, negative publicity to the NFL, which is basically the grounds for suspending Ben Roethlisberger in 2010. And so I think, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, if there's a settlement, I think the Ben Roethlisberger case becomes the precedent. And they say, all right, like we're going to take you off the field for eight games. And if you hit certain conditions, it goes down to six or six games. And with certain conditions, it goes down to four. Mm. I think that's probably what we're looking at. And then once you have that clarity, then I think we can start to talk about, you know, when is he going to be traded? Are you more curious about Deshaun Watson over the next couple of weeks or Aaron Rodgers? I would say Aaron Rodgers just because, like, I think that there's a good chance, there's a decent chance that some sort of arrangement is worked out where if we don't have clarity in the legal situation, like, the league is going to find a way to make it so Deshaun Watson doesn't show up in Houston because I don't think anybody wants what would happen if he showed up there. Right. Like, I don't think the league wants it. I don't think Deshaun wants it. I don't think the Texans want it. Right. Um, Whereas with Rogers, there's a hard date. It's July 27th. He shows up. He doesn't like to me, like that's, the most interesting one. And I, I think there's a much better chance that Rogers plays for the Packers in 2021 than Watson plays for the Texans in 2021. Uh, but there's obviously a lot that needs to be worked out. And, you know, like I think a lot of what needs to be worked out is going to come down to, can you fix the communication issue at least temporarily? So the Packers who believe they have a championship roster right now, um, can have their quarterback back in the short term, in the very least. What happens on the 27th with Aaron Rodgers? He explained the, the financial aspect of that. Let's say he doesn't sure. show up. If he doesn't show up, then they can start fining him $50,000. They're required to start fining him unless there's some sort of extenuating circumstance. They're um, required to start fining him $50,000 a day. Um, if he misses preseason games, he gets docked more. And the difference this year um, versus what it was two years ago and before that is that those fines cannot be forgiven. And teams in general would almost routinely forgive these fines. Like you remember Aaron Donald, like there were, I think it was two full training camps he missed, right? Paid zero for that, right? Like he, he came in and the Rams forgave all the fines, like no problem. And that was sort of part of the impetus for the owners saying, we're sick of this. Like teams aren't adhering to this. We can't really use this as a hammer. And so certain owners said like, let's put it in the CBA that you can't forgive the fines now. So we all have a very real hammer here. 
And so now like the Packers are in this spot where it's like, our, or the, the Packers and Rogers are in this spot where if he misses days of camp, they have to find him and they can't go back and, 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 and forgive those fines. Now, there are obviously things you can do. Like you could build that money back into a contract extension, right? Like, so there are things that you can do, but it definitely, I think, kind of casts a different light on, on holdouts. And that's why I think like what we're going to see with some of these, and the Rogers is separate for it, like Stefan Gilmore, for example, with the Patriots. I wouldn't be surprised if Stefan Gilmore shows up on July 27th and then says that torn quad I had last year, not ready. <laughs> and it's not going to be ready for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> so It's not going to be so ready until that prob- a new contract is ready. Right, right. It's like the instead of a holdout, it's a hold in, you know. Is so. uh is Cam Newton still the starter in New England? So like I, I would say the most the way New England's program is set up, they they'll tell you the spring is set up to focus on fundamentals, on teaching, and on conditioning. That said, what a rookie can accomplish in the spring is he can set up a competition for the summer. And that's what they'll all tell you is they'll say a rookie can't win a job in the spring, but he can at the very least put himself in the mix. And from everything that I heard over the last three months, Mac Jones did that. So Mac Jones has created a situation where he can compete for the job in July and August. Now is Bill Belichick going to be comfortable going with a rookie quarterback in week one? Would he be comfortable putting Mac Jones into the spotlight in week four, where Tom Brady is going to be coming back into Foxborough, um, which would be a big spot, you know, for a, for a rookie quarterback. I don't care how prepared you are to be in the NFL and Mac Jones is prepared for the NFL. Um, you know, that's an open question, but I do think, you know, I, you know, again, like just based on everything that I've heard, that Mac Jones did enough from a learning standpoint and from an on-field performance standpoint in the spring to set up a competition um, starting in late July. And I think at the very least, it's going to look like a competition when we get to training camp. Which LA team is more interesting? That's a great question. I, I, I'm on the Matthew Stafford bandwagon, Dan. Like I, I, I think like, I think the general public has a much like a much lower opinion of him than people in football have. Like, I think if you talk to scouts, if you talk to coaches, they think this guy is outstanding. Like, and the idea of putting him in Sean McVay's offense, and we can argue about like the way the Rams are set up and how they don't have any first round picks until five years from now, now and all that different stuff. But the idea of Sean McVay with Matthew Stafford right now, today, um, throwing to Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and you know, having Cam Akers behind him and, you know, on the other side of defense with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. I think it's fascinating. Um, and so, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Matthew Stafford is the MVP of the league. And um, so I, I, would, I would give the slight edge to the Rams. But, like, what Brandon Staley's walking into with the Chargers is awfully interesting, too. So I think, you know, the first year of that stadium actually able to have fans in it and all the rest of it and the Super Bowl being there. Yeah, I think both those teams have a chance to be really, really good. The Rams is Super Bowl contender. I, I don't think the Chargers are quite there yet, but there's talent on that roster, Dan. You know, I mean, you know, it's not just Justin Herbert. It's, you know, Mike Williams and, and, and Joey Bosa and Derwin James and, and young guys like Kenneth Murray. Like, that's a it's a really good team. And so I'd say Rams, 
legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. Chargers, I think I think the Chargers may be more of a pain in the ass for the Chiefs than anyone else in their division. Put it that way. Open invitation. Join us on a meet Friday there, Albert, okay? <laughs> I'm going to try to make it down there. I think it's about a two-hour drive. Maybe when I'm on my way to New York uh, in the fall. Uh, how far are you guys from the train station? Pretty close, right? Yeah, pretty close. We can pick you up. In fact, you can even you can even make a request of what you want on the menu. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I'm a big smoker guy too. So I'm going to, I got to, I got to hit up Perloff and make sure he sends me pictures of whatever comes out of uh, all that later today. Thank you, Albert. As always, have a great weekend. All right. Thanks, Dan. Have a good one. That's Albert Breer. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. 
and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Randall Chambly, the lead Golf Channel analyst, and uh, you can watch each day on Golf Channel alongside Justin Leonard and Rich Lerner. They have live coverage of the Open Championship at Royal St. George's Golf Club, and uh, that will continue across all the NBC platforms. Golf Channel, Peacock, live coverage, second round currently airing on Golf Channel. Uh, by the way, uh, Brandel Chambly, I believe, picked uh, Colin Morikawa to win the Open Championship. Let me start there. Was that your uh, pick? Because that's a good pick right now. Well, I appreciate that. I, I think I'm like two for 197 picking on Wednesday night since I started picking players. But, uh, <laughs> but I appreciate that. I'll, I'll ride this wave while I can. Well, this is a guy who's making his debut in an Open Championship. And I know he played in the Scottish Open. I just don't know how much prep time you need when you play courses like this, Brandel, uh, I mean, that that's pretty quick turnaround to all of a sudden be playing well on a golf course like this. Yeah, it used to be that you needed a lot of prep time, but not anymore. I mean, they have things called Google Earth, and they can sort of plot out their um, their misses left and right around a golf course. He doesn't have misses, really. He doesn't have big misses, that's for sure. And then you add to the fact that uh, the golf course is a little softer than it normally plays. So I think that mitigates some of the experience you might need to have around there. What is it like, though, that the, the, the shots you have to have, you have to have imagination, I would think. But well, yeah, right. Yeah, well, typically at an open, they, the course goes out and back. So you'll, you know, you'll have a left to right wind going out, say, and then a right to left coming back in. So you'll need to hold the ball into a left to right win and then work it with a right to left win. So you'll have to be able to work the ball both directions. This golf course just goes around in circles, not like all the other seems like uh, rotation courses, but it, mostly you have to play shots that are through different windows. You know, you got to, and, and Colin Morikawa was talking about that. So unlike most courses in most weeks on the PGA tour in the United States, you got to work the ball up and down, left to right, right to left. So, and, and you have the best ball striker in the world right now leading the event. What happened to Phil Mickelson? <laughs> you know, really, I, I think that's more apropos to say about the PGA Championship. <laughs> I mean, he's only had he's only had one event all year long where he was better than I think twenty first. He hasn't had a top twenty all year long except for one week where he just woke up and played like Phil Mickelson when he was uh, twenty five years old. We shot an eighty the first day. Well, look, the worst part about this golf course is that the rough is really, really thick. And even Bryson DeChambeau earlier in the week was talking about the need to find fairways here. Bryson hasn't talked about the need to find fairways since he's been on tour, but he said so this week. Phil, as we know, typically drives it all over the lot. You get in this rough, you cannot recover. 
Well, and that brings us to Bryson DeChambeau, and he was critical of the uh, the driver, not not the person who is the driver of the driver. But um, how surprised were you that DeChambeau threw Cobra under the bus? Never seen anything like it, uh, ever. Uh, I mean, maybe there's been a time or two where players had problems with equipment, but, you know, th- those things happen behind closed doors, and they go sort them out. But, you know, he switched drivers. This is not the driver that he won the U.S. Open with. He switched drivers from when he won the U.S. Open. And this is just really poor planning on his part. He should have gone to the event with seven or eight different heads where he could have switched them out if he was having a problem with this with this new driver. And because of COVID restrictions, his whole equipment team couldn't be there. So, you know, this is this would be like you having an off show and blaming it on the Danettes or your producers or something. Uh, it was... Uh, <laughs> It, it was bizarre. I never, I never heard anything like it. If I, if I owned that equipment company, he wouldn't be playing my equipment next week. I don't think. Wait, you're saying not to blame my guys when we have a bad show? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> where, where were you a decade ago, Bryce? Oh, I'm Brando. here to help, man. <laughs> um, and the one thing that I thought of with uh, DeChambeau was, why are you hitting a driver on this course to begin with? It's not a long, it's not a long course, and it's about accuracy. I, you know, sometimes you have to, you bought into the show that you've created or that people want to see. If he goes up there with, you know, a three iron, you know, the gallery is going to be going, oh, he doesn't have the driver. Like, is he bought into, hey, you came to see me swing uh, 200 miles an hour and my arms may fall off? Yeah. Hey, listen, if, and it's a great point. You know, if he hits irons down there and he can hit his three iron almost 300 yards. So if he hits iron down there and he's in the same place as everybody else, he's still going to have two clubs less than everybody else into the green. He'll still have the trajectory and spin rate. Uh, so in a lot of aspects, from a strategy standpoint and from just an equipment uh, structure standpoint, uh, this is all on him. And throw his equipment company under the bus, which, by the way, I made some calls yesterday to equipment companies, talked to various engineers. The engineer at Cobra who designs equipment, this fellow by the name of Tom Olofsky, He's sort of renowned as one of the smartest, if not the smartest engineer in golf, in all of golf. Uh, So completely threw his equipment company (laughs) and the engineers under the bus. All that being said, DeChambeau is great for the sport. Like he, he does give you a tune in factor as, as, as much as I love Jordan Spieth. He doesn't have the tune-in factor that Bryson DeChambeau does. Phil has tune-in. How many guys would you say true tune-in factor that maybe somebody's on the periphery of being a golf fan? How many, how many golfers? Yeah, look, Phil moved the needle. Obviously, Tiger in a, an unprecedented way. Uh, but Spieth definitely moves the needle, believe okay. it or not. He, he absolutely, in this country, moves the needle. Rory moves the needle. But – Bryson is compelling in a lot of different aspects. Not only has he done something nobody's done, incorporate long-distance moves into his golf swing and, and then improve his driving in a, a crazy way, he, he's messy. He makes mistakes. He, he, he yells at reporters and, and cameramen <laughs> for not protecting his image. Uh, he, uh, he's, he's socially awkward in the media center. He wants to tell you how much he knows, kind of like Phil, but Phil does it in a funny way. And Bryson does it in, I don't even know. I don't know how you describe it. Smug, ridiculous. Um, he makes mistakes all the time off of the golf course. They're not colossal mistakes. They're, they're clumsy mistakes. It's entertaining as hell. Are, are you Team Kepka or Team DeChambeau? 
<laughs> Listen, when I thought when Kepka was calling him out on social media and asking people to go out and heckle him, I thought Kepka crossed the line. I like Kepka. I, I really enjoy listening to him most of the time. I love his golf game. He's James Dean to Bryson's Eddie Haskell. Uh, I, you know, Bryson is rubbing me. It, it's tough to it's tough to pull for Bryson when he's acting like this. It really is. <laughs> By the way, Spieth was my pick. So, oh, nice pick. Yeah. I, look, of all the people on that leaderboard, everybody's got some weakness. Almost, almost everybody is dealing with some weakness. Uh, he's the one right now that doesn't really have a weakness. He's driving it better than he has. He's an unbelievable iron player. And unlike Morcow and Lou, uh, like Morcow is not a great putter. Louis Eustace is not a great ball striker. Spieth is great at everything. I saw where Terrell Hatton broke his uh, iron on 18. I don't know if it was a wedge or whatever it was, but he, but he, he stepped on it a couple of times and then snapped it. Uh, what's the worst meltdown you ever saw? on a golf course. I was playing with a guy once who, uh, we were riding a cart. So, uh, he had to take, you know, a handful of uh, clubs over to his spot where he was chipping. This is a tour player. Um, and he hit a poor chip and then he took his wedge and decapitated all the irons at his feet. There were about five or six of them. It's just like, <laughs> click, 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 click. And they were all popping in the air. And like, in, and like in, in, a, in a second, we said like seven or eight holes of play. And, you know, he, he literally had no irons left after he was done. It was hilarious. Uh, gosh. Um, you know, you, I saw a guy, uh, well, one of my buddies, Dudley Hart, he, uh, back when they used to measure how far you hit it off of the tee with the lines and not meters, right? So there was always somebody in the fairway who would walk off your drive and the, the yardage started at 250, whatever. And Dudley uh, ha- had one of the worst tempers ever on tour. And so he hits this drive on a driving hole that hits a tee or it hits a tree right off the tee. And it comes back like 20 yards in front of us. Okay. And I wish I could stand up and give you this, but out, out 250 yards away is a volunteer with a clipboard and he's meant to walk this off. So now he starts taking these exaggerated big steps from 250 as if he's going to walk 230 yards back to the tee. Right. And so he's giving it this, you know, with the clipboard, and Dudley Hart sees him coming, and Dudley's just like a volcano ready to explode. And he just starts screaming at the top of his lungs, just give me effing 50 yards. Just give me effing 50 yards. He's, you know, he's giving it this. It was one of the damn funniest things I've ever seen. Didn't Rory throw a driver into the pond one time? He threw a, yeah, Bay Hill one year, uh, he threw a three-iron into the pond, you know, right out in the middle of it. It was a great throw. It was a great throw. Uh, and... <laughs> It was on Donald Trump's golf course. Donald had it fished out, and he came up on our set the next day and gave it to us. <laughs> uh, any updates on Tiger Woods? No, I've heard nothing. Absolutely nothing. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I look, I'm like you. I mean, you call doctors, you ask, you know, what, what the probability is of him coming back, and all of them say the same thing, that it just depends on this one particular bone in his foot. If it shattered it, he's probably done. If it if it was a clean break, he could probably come back. That's all I've heard, and that's just from doctors, not from Tigers camp, obviously. Always great to talk to you. Uh, give my best to uh, Justin and uh, Rich Lerner. Yeah, thank I'll you, buddy. It. Thanks. Always nice talking to you, Dan. Take that's uh, Brandel Chambly, the lead golf channel analyst. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 
Hey, I'm John Middlecoff, and I host the Three and Out podcast. Do you like football? Do you like the NFL? Do you like the NFL draft? Quarterbacks, coaches? Well, I talk about it all on the show. I used to work for Andy Reid as a scout. Now I give you my unfiltered and raw opinions on everything that goes on in the NFL. And you know we're talking college football because of how important the draft is year-round. Listen to the 3 and Out podcast with me, John Middlecoff, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. 
comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Chris Haynes, senior NBA insider, Yahoo Sports, TNT sideline reporter, host of Post It Up with Chris Haynes podcast. He was uh, one of the stars that emerged from the bubble last year. We always appreciated his time and uh, his information that he gave us while he was in the bubble. He's currently in Las Vegas, then heading to Phoenix later today. Game five coming up on Saturday night. Chris, thanks for joining us. Uh, We just got word that Kevin Love is uh, withdrawing from the Olympic team. So we have Bradley Beal and Kevin Love not playing. Who are going to be the replacements? Well, they have a they have a, a ample amount of players that they can pick from from the pool. Um, I know a player that has been um, campaigning behind the scenes of trying to get on his team, and that's Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks. Um, you know, we heard, heard talk of Duncan Robinson with the Miami Heat, the sharpshooter as well. So, uh, Colangelo has some he has some tough decisions to make, but uh, there, there's there's still a bunch of players that I've talked to um, behind the scenes about up to upwards of 10 that would like the opportunity to have one of those two spots. So uh, they'll, they'll have a good, they'll have a good amount of options. Why was Kevin Love on the team to begin with? That is a good question, DP. Um, Experience. I'm just going to go with experience. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll go with that. That's, That's the best I got DP. I got a lot of experience. (laughs) <laughs> no, come on I, I this is where I would hope Julius Randle Zion Williamson where you could you could have younger players get that opportunity to play in Olympic competition I mean, I mean that's what I was hoping for and I don't know what's going on behind the scenes but I was like I was really surprised that Kevin Love was given an invitation so well DP as far as Zion Williamson goes it it's hard for me to believe that Team USA did not ask him to play in that. Like that, that's just like the, you know, that's just like the the gold, golden standard of having a young, promising player on on the roster. The kind he, of he didn't even get an invitation to to try out. No, Zion, Zion, Zion. I think, believe Zion had an opportunity. Mm. I believe Zion had an opportunity. Okay, uh, which leads me to believe he probably declined. Oh, okay. The uh, Jason Kidd hire in Dallas. What does that mean for Luka Doncic? Well, just somebody who's played the game at that position at a high level. Um, somebody who I think what the Mavericks are hoping that Jason Kidd can even accelerate uh, Luka's learning curve in this NBA. And and that's funny to say that, you know, saying that, you know, that he's an all-NBA player right now. But Jason Kidd, just, just his pedigree, his knowledge of the game, and they believe that Jason Kidd has become a, a much better coach over the last two or three years, getting earned a championship with the Lakers. I talked to Rob Palinka over there with the Lakers, and he said the things that they were able to do, that some of the innovative sets that they were pu- putting out there on the floor, he credited Jason Kidd. And so he, he got a lot of praise over there. LeBron James 
also praise Kid. So uh, I think they feel like um, Kid can take this team to the next level. Now, I want to say this, DP, is that it was somewhat in the plans a few years ago for Jason Kidd to join the coaching staff of Rick Carlisle. Something happened. I don't know if that was I don't know if Carlisle didn't want him on this on the on the staff, but something had happened and to cause that thing to fizzle out. And so that never transpired. And so now what ultimately is happening is the Dallas Mavericks are coming back full circle and, and getting a guy that they wanted a part of the organization to begin with. Yeah, but it didn't It didn't make sense that Rick Carlisle decides to leave a couple of years left on his contract. He says, hey, you know, Luka's going to win multiple championships here. Did it come down to Luka didn't want Rick Carlisle as his head coach and Mark Cuban had to make that decision to get rid of him? Well, I'll say this. It, it, you know, it was a poorly, uh, it was a poorly um, announced secret that um, – Luca didn't really get along with Rick Carlisle, you know. So that that was that was in within league circle. We we've heard about that, you know, throughout throughout his tenure. You know, Rick Carlisle is a coach who uh, wants a lot of control, and I think he's given control to Luca because he's just a, such a great, phenomenal player. But you know, he's used to you know controlling the offense, controlling defense, calling sets, and. Uh, he had to allow Luca to have more reign, being at the player that he blossomed into. But those two guys just never – it was never just pure bliss with those two guys, if you know what I mean. So I, I, don't, I don't have any um, information to say that Luca, you know, needed Carlisle to be out to stay there. But it, it, it wasn't a secret that they, you know, that they made this decision. I'm trying to figure out what's going on in Portland with Damian Lillard. And, and I, I put myself in his position. You know, you're 30 years of age. You're an unbelievable talent, but you're nowhere near an NBA championship. Um, and he looks around and he's got a, a roster that's full of injuries. You, you know, are you going to win with C.J. McCollum as your running mate? Uh, what, what is your place in history? Like, you start to think these things when you get to age 30. You got a good relationship with Dame. Um, can, he, can he get his wish and, and, uh, and stay in Portland, or can he get his wish and leave Portland? What do you think is more likely to happen? That's a good question, DP. I appreciate that tee-up because I, I, have a, um, I have a story uh, with Damian Lillard dropping this morning. Um, any minute. So um, I was able to talk with him and here in Vegas to just get, just try to find out what's going on in his mind as it pertains to his tenure with the Portland Trailblazers, because as of right now, like this is the most frustrated he's been, you know, I've said that since the season ended, since they were, uh, it was kind of like an upset with Denver because they didn't have two of their best players and Denver still beat Portland. And so, Dane, and I say this, and I say this to members of the Portland Trailblazers organization as well, is that Dame has always told me he wants to compete for a championship. He wants to play for a title. And Portland has always been a team that they're going to be good. They're going to make the playoffs. But we all know how the story goes at the end. They always fizzle out. And if Dame is telling me he wants to compete for a championship, I have to hold the team to that standard as well. Even if the teams 
objective is not to compete for a championship. Okay, and but so, this article that's dropping today on Yahoo Sports, does Damian Lillard say that he wants to be traded? No, he doesn't. He doesn't say that. We're 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 not we're not even to that point. Okay. You know, it's not it's not even to that point. You know, there there's some conversations that need to be had for it for a decision like that to even be made. But uh, as of right now, you know, he he just wants to see a change and uh, he wants to get away from the norm. So that is his, his focus. Yeah, I just wonder. I, I I mean, let's just apply logic to this. They're not winning anything anytime soon. Right. Well, right. Well, he'll if if that's the case. If 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 the roster is not conducive to being able to play amongst the elites, then he has a decision to make. Is there a possibility? Is Ben Simmons involved in in you know th- this equation of that maybe Dame could end up in Philadelphia. I mean, I don't like to do talk radio, throw out crazy trade proposals, but Ben Simmons is available. The question Mm -hmm. is, who wants him? What do you do with him? And what do you have to give up to get him? Could you see Ben Simmons in Portland? See Ben Simmons in Portland and Dame in Philly? Or just Ben Simmons in Portland? Or Ben Simmons in Portland and C.J. McCollum in Philadelphia? Like, do you see a scenario where Portland is interested in Ben Simmons? Yeah, I, w- I would think. Yeah, I would think there's some interest in Ben Simmons on Portland side, but I'm not sure at the cost of CJ. And if Portland is throwing in CJ, I think it's going to take a little bit more uh, to get Ben Simmons. So, with that being said, I don't see the Philly Portland as of right now. Okay. I don't see the Philly Portland thing transpiring. Where do you see Ben Simmons going? That's a good question. You look at look at the teams that are being rumored. You talk about Minnesota, Sacramento. These aren't good teams. <laughs> you know, these these are teams that are you know that are young and they're they're still trying to develop players. Um, you you don't hear a lot of top notch teams, you know, clamoring to get Ben Simmons right now. But and I think more- he's got to go to a place where he can sort of not hide. But he needs to go where there's a little less pressure on every game, every moment, every shot, every free throw. Like, you know, I I said Orlando. Like, let him go and let him run a team. Because we've seen when Embiid is not in there, he's a different player. And I just wonder if he got away and got into a situation. Minnesota's not right for him. Sacramento's not going to be right for him. But I would think one of these other teams where he could just sort of Houston, like he could sort of run the team a little bit. That That's what I'd be curious about. Well, those teams, like I still put Minnesota, Sacramento into those teams that you mentioned, DB, DP, because there won't be the hot, there, there won't be the spotlight on him yeah. in those, in those areas. We're talking about Philly, man. That's one of the biggest markets where the fan base is just so intense. And if you're playing bad poorly, they're going to let you know. And they're going to let you know like nobody else has ever let you know. So he needs to get into an environment where he can have mistakes. And he still needs to develop. As great as he is, I believe he's a two-time All-Star, one of the best defensive players we have in this league. But he has a lot of development to go. And I think he's going to reach his full potential right now if he's on one of those lower market teams, which won't have a lot of spotlight on him where he can make mistakes and still try to prosper. What do you think the media is going to do, react to Chris Paul, if the Suns don't win this NBA championship? 
I mean, it's it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be tough, man. Um, you know, we we've seen Chris Paul play at a high level, fizzle out towards the end. His best run up before this point was in Houston when he got to the the conference finals. Uh, he was a hamstring away from advancing, and now they're up 2-0. This will just amplify all the talk of people saying that Chris Paul can't get it done in the clutch times and the clutch moments. Now, there's still a lot of time left for him to rectify that, but it's going to be a bad look if the Suns aren't able to get this done. It's always great to catch up with you, Chris. Safe travels. Uh, have a great weekend. And uh, once again, thank you. DP, anytime, bro. Take care. That's uh, Chris Haynes. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.